702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Live, streaming countrywide. On the Prime Media Plus app. Yes, TV channel 856. 92.7. And 106 FM. Coming up on the show today, calls for a thorough investigation into the incident in the DRC, which claimed two South African soldiers. Police Minister Becky Trele releases crime stats today. The DA prepares to launch its election manifesto tomorrow. We'll speak to the director of Four Coloured Girls. It launches at the Joburg Theatre today. And it's Friday, so sports and good things too. All of that over the next hour. 7.02. Let's walk the talk. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. We will bring you uh, General Minister Becky Trele, the Police Minister, uh, as he begins to release uh, crime statistics at 12 o'clock. So we'll dip into that um, when uh, as soon as we get there. Uh, what are your thoughts on this releasing of the crime stats? So he does it every three months now. This was the decision that was taken to, to do it every three months, uh, not annually. Um, it does give us, uh, many analysts argue, a better picture picture of uh, the crime situation across the country do you do you have faith in the crime stats is really the question that i'm asking you send me a whatsapp voice note 072-7021702-072-567-1567 but let's start with a story that uh, we followed yesterday as well and that is the death of two soldiers two south african uh, soldiers in the drc the eastern democratic republic of congo following that uh, mortar attack three others wounded as well there's been a lot of analysis around this and the fact that we have deployed or we are at least in the process of deploying 2,900 uh, soldiers as part of the SADC mission to assist in bringing stability to the DRC. The South African National Defence Union is calling for a comprehensive investigation into that mortar strike, uh, saying that we need to understand the circumstances around the incident, also raising concerns about if we are sufficiently capacitated, uh, lots of other issues as well. Let's speak to Advocate Piki Khrif, who is the National Secretary for Sandu. Advocate Khrif, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for, for your time today. We've had a lot of analysis on this around why, and the question really is why is there a South African contingent in the Eastern DRC? What are, what are the concerns of the Defence Union? Yeah, good afternoon and good afternoon to the listeners. Uh, you know, I think we are on record as a union that, you know, as far as the questions around why there is a deployment, we're not going to comment on that. Uh, our soldiers get deployed and they go where they get deployed. This is why they're in the Defence Force. And uh, But uh, to give a brief background, basically South Africa is together with its neighbouring SADC countries partnering with the DRC in order to uh, try and bring peace and stability to the eastern part of the DRC. That's the reason for the deployment. And in terms of whether or not we are sufficiently capacitated, sufficiently prepared, properly equipped um, in terms of that specific base or all of our bases where, where you, we engage in deployment, what are your thoughts on that? Well, our concern is in that regard, I think all the experts agree uh, that uh, we lack air support in, in the region for our forces. That is a force multiplier and definitely be a game changer uh, against a rebel group that is... Uh, increasingly being armed and, and becoming more sophisticated as, uh, as the weaponry is concerned that they're using. And we uh, are perceived to be vulnerable at this stage. And that is our concern. And we would really call for more support and adequate support for our troops. And I think the flicker of good news that we've had since 
making this view public yesterday is that the president announced yesterday that SADC leaders were going to meet over the weekend to address, uh, uh, amongst other things, the concern of support to our troops. How confident are you, Sandu, that there will be a transparent, uh, thorough investigation into this specific incident? Well, there has to be. By law, they have to have, they have, to have a board of inquiry into the loss of personnel. Uh, and the injury of personnel, and that should then include as to you know defensive defensive capabilities in the in the uh, when there's a, 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 a mortar attack such as has occurred, uh, were they adequate? If they were not, why wasn't it adequate? What is needed to fix it? Uh, those kind of things would be part of that board of inquiry. And in terms of uh, you've you've made a point about the Roy Falk as an example um, as as something that we could be deploying. Uh, in terms of giving our troops proper, greater cover. Um, what else could we be doing to ensure that there's no further loss of life? Well, I think, uh, you know, apart from the Roy Falk itself, uh, we, and um, I'm not talking out of fact, but the, the general consensus uh, amongst experts is that probably we could do with some more defense systems. Uh, you know, uh, there are forms that are designed to automatically Respond to mortar attacks, establish where it's from, and immediately launch counterattacks. Um, but even with those systems in place, which it doesn't seem to be right now, uh, you can still expect casualties because the, the uh, I think people should not underestimate the severity of the conflict that's coming. Pukki, thank you very much. Uh, Advocate Pukki Khrif, National Secretary at uh, Sandu, the National Defence Union, speaking to us there. Uh, and as he pointed out, the leaders of SADC meeting this weekend uh, and still lots of questions around this deployment. Uh, let me know what you think. 72 702 1702 Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. I am watching at the moment as the police minister, Becky Tkele, is releasing the third quarter crime figures. We'll take you there in a moment. But first, the management of the police in Dipsluit, uh, scheduled to appear before the Gauteng Legislature's Portfolio Committee on Community Safety today to give an update on uh, ongoing efforts to combat violence and crime in the area. You know that there have been a number of incidents of vigilante violence in Dipsluit. This is a long running uh, a disconnect, really, between the residents of Dipsluit and the police there. Gloria Motswere, EWN reporter, is following that one for us. Gloria, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Take us through uh, what the police management in Dipsluit have been saying. Good afternoon. So the management has been taking us through the crime stats from October to the beginning of January. And they are saying that as much as they have put interventions in place to try and make sure that they combat the crime, that is that is rife in the community, the numbers are still increasing. The murder numbers are still increasing. Combat is still going up. So those are some of the challenges that they are dealing with. They are saying that they've arrested about close to 300 people since October and the, the end of January this year. And they are saying that as much as trying to do their best to crime, Mandy, the issue here is that advantage of things like the environment, for example, where there's areas with no street lights, where there's areas where the roads are inaccessible to police, and those are areas where uh, some of the crime is most rife. And it, it takes us back to the incident that took place last year in December where there was vigilantism and seven people were killed. It's one of the informal settlements where police don't have access into those areas. But one of the things that they have done, Mandy, they have 
introduced uh, crime prevention wardens that are operating through the night. That's one of the issues that came up to say crime is, is most prevalent in the community at night. So now they're trying to put measures in place to ensure that they're dealing with that at night and they have people that are patrolling the area. Gloria, what kind of uh, questions have they been uh, receiving from the committee today, the, um, the the Portfolio Committee on Community Safety? Have they been giving them an easy ride? Are they convinced that these measures uh, have actually been taken and there is progress? It's not an easy ride at all, Mandy, because some of the questions that were being raised by the committee is to say, firstly, the numbers when it comes to rape are not good at all when it comes to rape, when it comes to murder, even though there's these um, measures that have been put in place. The fact that the numbers are still so high, the, the station commander was saying that the number has increased by 15% since, the, since October to where we are today. And the committee was saying that those are really, really high numbers. And they were talking about the fact that there's so many places. It goes back to show that bylaws are being not being enforced in the area. And it wasn't just an issue for policemen. It also went back to the JMPG to say bylaws are not being enforced because there's so many taverns in this place. Firstly, there's so many areas that people are selling alcohol where they're not supposed to. What happening? What is about that? So the briefing, the, the, the committee is still there. The engagement is still ongoing. The um, community safety as well. Uh, CPF is a big part of conversation that's happening today. Gloria, thank you very much. Gloria Motswari, EWN reporter, uh, giving us that report on what's happening uh, in terms of the management of the police in Dipsluit, appearing before the Gauteng Legislature's Portfolio Committee on Community Safety, giving an update there on what is being done in Dipsluit to fight violence and crime in that area. Well, as I mentioned, the police minister, Becky Trele, is currently releasing the crime stats for the period, um, which is between the 1st of October to the 31st of December. So this covers the festive season as well. Becky Trele has been saying we unleashed our festive season plan in October, deploying members to tackle crime. Well, let's get a sense of where we are with that. Let's listen into what Becky Trele is saying. The most encouraging is that Inanda, which has always been known as the rape capital of the country, has also seen a slight reduction in the number of rape cases by registering 20 counts lower than the same period under review. This goes to show that our FCS teams are are proving to be acting decisively against those who are perpetrating rape crimes. What is still worrying and of great concern is that the majority rapes were committed at victims' residence. The perpetrators were either neighbors, friends, or family members of the victims. Just this week, the Limpombo police apprehended a serial rapist, Manike Monyuka, who has been linked to 12 rape cases. There has been significant progress in the finalization rate of DNA cases and the eradication of the historic DNA backlog, which is currently standing at zero from 251,000 in the 2021-22 financial year. Further to this, the expansion of the DNA lab in Kabeha, which was opened by the president in, in August 23, has contributed immensely to the processing of the DNA samples in the country. All these efforts have contributed positively to the SEPs fight against gender-based violence and femicide cases. 
For example, the NPA and SEPS project has led to more than 40,000 DNA forensic reports being finalized to ensure that cases of GPVF are prioritized. Hashing Transit, the specialized teams put in place in each province are also yielding results in ensuring that we see a reduction in the number of hashing transit and robberies that are taking place. During this period, 46 CIT armed robberies took place, which is 11 counts lower than the previous crime reporting period. In the past year, more than 75 wanted CIT suspects have been arrested during takedown operations. Hi. Police Minister Becky Kelly releasing the crime stats there for uh, the period of October, November, December last year. Uh, sounds like there's been progress in Inanda, which we know is uh, the murder capital of the country. It seems not for that period. Uh, progress with cash and transit, a heist. Also progress we heard about this yesterday also in terms of the DNA backlog. Uh, I'll take you back there a bit later on when he's taking questions as well. But listen to this tweet from Ian Cameron, uh, who of course is the guy that Becky Kelly told to shut up and buy some saying, listening to Becky Kelly's introduction before quarterly crime stats are released. Always something like this. Our members received strict instructions to squeeze out all criminals in the country. We arrested a thousand this and a thousand that and, 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 and. But never ever do we hear of the convictions where the Department of Justice and Correctional Services should be together in such a meeting. When you hear Kelly speak, remember that only 14.5% of murders are solved in South Africa. Almost 30,000 people are killed per year. This is the ANC legacy. What are your thoughts on that? What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Anything that comes from Becky Kelly, I'm sorry, I don't even believe a thing. We see it for ourselves that the crime rate is going up and up and up and that the SAPs don't work with us. But you know what? There are some good cops, I'm sure. But anything that comes from Becky Kelly, yeah, no. I still say let's hire, resign, whatever it is. Can we just get a new committed person? Because hi, Abudullah Pile, you. Hi, Monday. Happy Friday. Uh, I just wanted to comment on the issue of the deployment of the soldiers to the DRC. Uh, I, was, I wasn't really impressed with the comments that Julius Marema made when he said that some of the soldiers are, are, are not fit, that you can see them, they, they cannot carry even, even their own gun. That was, that was really embarrassing and, and disrespectful to the soldiers, you know. We don't have to judge them based on their outlook of their body. Those guys are well trained and they've got the skills. They've got what it takes to to carry out any mission. So what they need is just the necessary equipment so that they can undertake their mission in DRC. That's how I, I think. Thanks for the great show. Joy in what way. Thank you very much. Look, I think there's there's a thread in both of those WhatsApp voice notes, and that is we have to be careful of generalizations. We can't say, um, oh, the police, everyone in the police is is useless, or all soldiers are overweight and can't handle their firearms. I think we, we definitely fall into that trap often, where we say that, uh, oh, the police are rubbish, or the army is useless. When there are, there are pockets of excellence, and there are people who are really well-trained and committed and passionate, and I don't think it's fair to them to, to be speaking like that and I think it's important to, to highlight that. You think of someone like uh, Keshi Mabunda who um, brought down Rosemary and Lovu, um, who is a committed police officer and was the police officer of the year last year. So I think we have to be careful when we fall into this default narrative of just saying that everyone is rubbish. 702, 702. Mandy Weiner. Weekdays 12 to 1 p.m. An update from the courts now. Believe it or not, the Senzo Miyua trial 
has been postponed. So the trial within a trial has been postponed to the 4th of March. The state will file heads of argument uh, next week by the 23rd of Feb, and then the defence will file by the 1st of March, and then final arguments will be heard in court on the 4th of March. Can you believe that we're actually going to see an end to the trial within a trial? Hallelujah. It's been going on for absolutely ever. So uh, that's the one uh, case we're watching for you. The other one is the trial of uh, Professor Peter Beale, who is on trial for murder. Bernadette Wicks is following that one for us. Court is done for the day there. That will resume next week. Uh, Bernadette, good afternoon to you. We've had, I think, four witnesses on the stand now. What have we heard? Yes, we've had four witnesses and we're still on the fourth witness. So what happened yesterday is that she actually wrapped up her evidence and then the bench asked her some questions and flowing from that, uh, the defence has reopened its cross-examination, which is what we had in court today. The the current witness is a paediatrician who treated a three-year-old boy who is one of the children um, that this case centres around. He passed away after surgery that Professor Beale performed. Um, And essentially there were two main things that came out of her evidence today. So she was a called to us. She was called to assist the morning after the surgery, um, and, and yesterday she was asked by the bench about the child condition before she came in to have a look at the hospital records and and opine on what kind of condition the child was in before she actually came in to attend to him. And her evidence was that from those hospital records, he had started experiencing problems almost immediately after his surgery. Under cross-examination today, though, um, Beale's counsel, Ian Green, put it to her, or, or she conceded at least, that she hadn't looked at or considered all of the hospital records, only those that she, she thought were relevant to her testimony. And then um, Ian Green put it to her that she didn't actually have at her disposal all the facts she needed to make the assertion that this child had gone to had started experiencing problems a lot. Yeah. Then the other thing that um, that that arose today during her evidence was um, that Ian Green presented hospital records and call logs, and essentially they detail how this child's condition continued deteriorating through the night after his surgery. But they show that Bill was only contacted twice, once just before 10 o'clock that evening, and then again at just before half past four the following morning. And so against this backdrop, Green has said that the nurses actually should have called a doctor in much earlier um, and that Beale did the best he could but was only was essentially only advised of the problem too late. So those are the two main things that have come out. As you say, court has wrapped for the day though now and will resume on Tuesday next week. And Bernadette, uh, four witnesses in, what do you make of the state's case in terms of how they're constructing this and, and the arguments they're making against Peter Beale? Well, a lot of the evidence, I have to say, is very medical and very technical. And we do know that that's why the court has actually appointed two assessors who are experts in the field to assist the judge to actually come to a conclusion and come to an ultimate decision in this case and to unpack the evidence. And we must remember at this stage that obviously the defence hasn't even started um, presenting its case. But the state's case so far, they have had witnesses who have been very critical of Professor Beale's treatment of these children. Um, And these have, by and large, been medical professionals, other medical professionals, expert witnesses and doctors who treated some of these children. We have also had one mother who testified, and of course, she was very critical of of Professor Beale's treatment of her child. So, so far, it appears to be a strong case, but it is very difficult to gauge when you've only heard one side of the case so far. And of course, uh, we will have an opportunity to hear the defence's arguments uh, as well as this trial proceeds. Bernadette Wicks, EWN reporter, speaking to us there, uh, giving us an update there on the trial of Professor Peter Bill. 
What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Good day, uh, Mandy. It's my man, Pichora. I think the uh, views uh, made by the president during his reply on the deployment of our soldiers, I think is pathetic. South Africa, by virtue of being part of SADC, is not uh, bound or you know, compelled to 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 sub to to send or or to deploy troops there, and uh, the comments made by the CAC uh, Julius Malema, I think they were reckless to say the 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 soldiers can't carry guns. I think that is disrespectful. It is rude, and I think he must be called to order. Uh, let's hope this deployment will will be recalled. It's unnecessary. Thank you. Hi, Mendy. Mendy, please stop defending the police police are corrupt police that we have in south africa can never fight crime because they are criminals themselves please stop defending them i hear you and i take your point and i know that this is an unpopular view but i don't think it's fair to say that all police officers are corrupt and i don't think it's fair to say that all police officers are useless and for julius malema to say that all of our soldiers are fat and can't carry weapons i just think it's unfair to generalize like that of course we've got huge issues with crime fighting in this country the the police minister is literally releasing the crime stats right now and our crime stats are alarmingly high but at the same time there are successes too and i think it's important to to point that out. Um, Million Marshal Moyo says on WhatsApp, I find the public debates about the deployment of SANDF into DRC very disturbing. It's just not done for security reasons. As for Sandu's comments calling for an inquiry into the safety of military personnel on deployment, that's a joke. The guys are on combat combat operations for crying out loud. And then uh, some more responses um, from uh, Mulandu saying it's not only in the police department, this country is just a mess. We only need to get rid of all the bad apples in our country and this nation will be a better place again. I'm happy that we're going for elections soon and all serious South Africans will raise their voices by making an important cross. Thank you for your contributions. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. The Judges Matter organization has expressed a deep concern about the JSC, the Judicial Service Commission's decision not to suspend the Eastern Cape Judge President, Selby Mbenenge, uh, who has been accused of sexual harass- harassment. Uh, Judges Matter saying that it's uh, deeply concerned that uh, the JSC will not be recommending that uh, Judge Selby Mbenenge be placed on suspension pending a sexual harassment investigation against him. The JSC his reason is that the judge is already on special leave. Let's speak now to Mbekizeli Benjamin, who's a judge's matter researcher. Mbekizeli, good afternoon to you. Uh, is this just semantics or, or what do you make of the JSC's decision? Uh, good afternoon, Mandy. It's not semantics at all. Uh, the JSC's decision has really important consequences, which are unfortunately negative. Um, since 2010, um, there have been about five to six judges who've been suspended because they're facing allegations of gross judicial misconduct, which may lead to their impeachment. In all those cases, the JSC automatically suspended the judges after uh, deciding that it wants to appoint a tribunal investigation. And I must add here that the the gross misconduct allegations are the most serious that can be leveled against a judge. And if, a, if they are found guilty, the judge may be impeached. So there are currently five judges on suspension. But when it came to Judge Mbenenge, the JSC decided not to suspend him, even though he 
they recommended that he face a tribunal for gross misconduct uh, allegations. And those allegations are sexual harassment, which is a form of gender-based violence. And so for us, it is troubling because it is inconsistent. There are no reasons given um, for, for this inconsistency. And we are particularly worried about the message that it sends to victims of sexual harassment. And so it, it is, it, I wish it was just semantics, but it is not. It is really a serious issue. You argue that the JSC appears to be giving him special, more favorable treatment. Why would that be the case? Well, first of all, none of the judges that I spoke about have been offered the option of special leave. In fact, the JSC has even suspended judges who were on medical leave at the time the suspension decision came. Um, you'll recall that there's uh, Judge Parker of the Western Cape, who's currently on medical leave, he was suspended while on medical leave. And so why is it the JSC to accept um, that though even should be suspended, but when it comes to Judge Benenge, it decides not to suspend him. So there are really serious questions about why why that option was given to Judge Benenge. And again, the message that it sent out, because the, the, the issue with um, special leave is that it is optional. It is voluntary. The judge can come back anytime. In fact, we've seen in the past when Judge Chope was put on special leave, after 18 months, he simply decided to go back to work and no one could stop him. So even in this situation, there's literally nothing stopping Judge Benenge from going back to work and being in the same office with the victim of the sexual harassment mm. who already has, has had to relocate at some point because of the, 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 the back that she got. And we must also remember the power dynamics between the two. Judge Mbenenge is one of the most senior judges in the country, the judge president of the Eastern Cape province, and the a complainant is a secretary at one of the high courts in the Eastern Cape. So that also is for us a troubling troubling thing about the JSC's decision. Mbekizel, you mentioned uh, Judge Shope. We know that the, the JSC, um, it's, it's tardiness in dealing with the issues of, of uh, John Shope. It took forever. Um, is there a concern about just how long it generally takes the JSC and its lack of decisiveness when it comes to these matters? Yes, it is generally a concern, right? Uh, the judge okay, allegation has gone on for well over 15 years now. But I must say that there has been some improvement. So this um, Benenge allegation came out a little over a year ago, and now we've reached the point of a tribunal. Of course, it is still not where we want to be, but that is because of the systemic issues that exist within the JSC and which um, we hope that they will fix by allocating more resources and more capacity to the system. But the, there is some improvement, but it's very far from where we would wish our judiciary to be. And Becky Zelli, thank you very much. And Becky Zelli, Benjamin, uh, Judges Matter researcher, speaking to us there about the Judicial Service Commission's inconsistent treatment of judges accused of gross judicial misconduct, saying that it risks undermining the judiciary, harming the investigation, and discourages victims from coming forward. WhatsApp Mandy on 072-702-1702. Mandy, uh, these massaged crime stats. I mean absolutely nothing to me, especially in election year when we all know what the politicians are trying to achieve. Yeah, and uh, also given the fact that I know of so many people who have fallen victim to crime, including myself in the past, uh, it's just that, thank God, nothing has happened to me lately. But uh, yeah, that means nothing. That is not due to police action. Thanks. Farai.
Hey, Fry, thanks very much uh, for sending that. I think we also have an issue with reporting of crime. I think that when that uh, that trust disconnect happens between the public and the police, that perhaps uh, not all crimes get reported. So uh, when you say massaged, I can understand the concerns around that. Um, at the moment, we are seeing uh, the third quarter stats being released. We'll take you back there when Becky Kele takes questions uh, from journalists as well. Um, and of course, as you mentioned, it is an election year, right? So so who do you believe? How do you believe? Well, the Democratic Alliance is briefing the media on its readiness for its manifesto launch, which will take place in Pretoria tomorrow. Alpha Ramashwana is there for us. Alpha, good afternoon to you. What is the DA saying about what's going to be happening tomorrow? Good afternoon, Mandy. Yes, the Democratic Alliance is briefing or has briefed the media actually on the state of readiness for the election manifesto launch tomorrow that will be happening in uh, the CBD of Pretoria. Uh, it will all start at the Church Square and uh, uh, about 15,000 supporters of the Democratic Alliance are expected to attend and join uh, party leader John Stian Hazen to march from Church Square all the way to the Union Buildings where uh, Mr. Stian Hazen will deliver uh, the DA's election manifesto ahead of uh, the elections. And we do know so far that the EFF, uh, Build One South Africa, uh, uh, and Rise and Zanti have launched their manifestos and the DA is basically saying that it's not going to be, uh, you know, doing a copy and paste of uh, the manifesto of other parties, but they will be presenting their own plan, their own uh, a unique plan to rescue South Africa from what they've termed as the failing ANC uh, government that is crumbling uh, the country. Of course, uh, they say the program is going to start at 10 a.m. and uh, Mr. Stian Hazen should be expected to present the manifesto at about uh, uh, 12 uh, p.m. tomorrow. And they are saying that they are going to be touching on load shedding. They're going to be touching on how they plan to end the energy crisis. Uh, they're also going to be touching on uh, uh, um, ending joblessness in the country. And of course, they are saying that uh, the, the system of Western Cape will be used everywhere else in the country should the DA win um, the general elections this year. Of course, they also touched on the recent poll that was released by Ipsos. Uh, we do know that a few days ago, uh, Helen Zilla told Clement Taylor that she believes that uh, Ipsos polling is a joke. And it was also uh, said today at the media briefing that they don't believe that the Ipsos poll is, is, is accurate. They've also questioned the credibility. The poll has put uh, the DA at third place with the ANC plummeting below 40% and the EFF taking 18% and the DA just below the EFF with 17%. So they are saying that this flaw, that this poll is flawed and they will, of course, be uh, uh, doing their own internal uh, polls. But let's take a listen to what the DA has to offer. We want to assure South Africans that our offer that will be launched tomorrow has been costed. Um, it is uh, very much rooted in our fiscal reality currently in South Africa, not where we want to be, but where we currently are and where and how we get to where we want to be. And chiefly in this offer that we're gonna be launching, we want to lift people out of poverty. We want to make sure that we get people into employment. We want to resolve the energy crisis that is gonna be hindering and continues to hinder our growth. We want to make sure that we have safe communities and that essentially we rescue South Africa from the clutches of ruin. The DA has been poised internally uh, to not only make the offer to South Africans of where we are, but also to ready ourselves. And we've been engaged in a series of ready to govern 
workshops uh, with uh, the various provinces. Um, you, as many of you know, we have identified strategic provinces where we are, research shows us that we are likely to see a DA-led coalition government, whether it is in Guazulu, Natal, or Gauteng, or the Northern Cape. And of course, the intention is to uh, retain the Western Cape with an increased majority. The DA Siviwe Gwahube speaking there. Thank you to Alpha Ramashwana for bringing us that and that uh, uh, launch of the election manifesto for the Democratic Alliance taking place tomorrow. They'll be gathering at Church Square in Pretoria and then marching to the Union buildings. 702, the midday report, Monday to Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. A quick uh, weather update now. Warnings issued for severe thunderstorms, flooding, damaging waves and fire danger today. Elizabeth Fillion, SA Weather Service forecaster, joining us. Elizabeth, good afternoon to you. I hope you're well. Um, Tell us about these various warnings that have been issued. Very good afternoon, Mandy. Yes, so we've got various warnings for across the country. So the... um, severe thunderstorms, that's mainly over the eastern parts of the country, and then fire danger as well. We do also, you would have noticed, it's been really hot lately in Gauteng. Another heat wave has been persisting, and that is expected to continue today and tomorrow. Johannesburg will reach a high of around 31 degrees today and 32 tomorrow, so still quite hot. There's a small chance of thunderstorms each day, but only looking at about a 30% chance, so isolated thunderstorms expected later in the afternoon and into the evening. The good news, however, is that on Sunday we have some moisture coming in from the east. That's going to drop our temperatures a little bit, so we're only expecting a high of around 29 degrees, but we've got better chances of thunderstorms. So looking at around 60% or scattered thunderstorms, which are expected on Sunday. In Cape Town, very different conditions are expected. We were expecting some light morning rainfall there. A high of only 23 is expected today. Tomorrow, going to be nice and sunny with 24 and warming up very nicely on Sunday with a high of 27. So very different conditions up in Johannesburg versus Cape Town. But overall, good news coming for both areas. Elizabeth, thank you so much. Uh, Elizabeth Fillion, SA Weather Service forecaster, giving us uh, uh, an overview, a forecast, which is what she does, of what we can expect with the weather. Sports Wrap. Sports Wrap. With Tolagele Mganga. Tolagele, good afternoon. Thank you very much for coming in. Uh, Let's start with the the crickets. Look, it's been weird. Like, I normally watch, like, all of... The, the, the test matches I, I love test cricket mm. I've barely been watching I know it's a, it's a time difference thing but also the fact that we've sent um, we hate to say it but let's face it it's a B team pro tier side mm. because we know that the SA20 was the priority this year and kind of what the kind of team we produced look there were moments of flashes of brilliance from the likes of David Dan, Benningham Dan Pitt was fantastic yes you look at him yeah. and you look at David Benningham and you say okay there are little positives that we can take from it but as we said right now we lost a test series for the first time ever against New Zealand a 2-0 whitewash there are times where I think on day two of the second test where you were like okay maybe Shukri Conrad can get this right but I think at the end of the day CSA will look at the fact they've given themselves options when it comes to the test team but also once again we'll have the conversation about at a time when we're saying test cricket is losing its audience is dying out did we not further add to that conversation by not taking it seriously enough and prioritizing T20 cricket but we know that with the women's game 
the likes of Laura Valtbart, the likes of Marazan mm. Tap have spoken continuously about wanting to play more test cricket yeah. because we're playing only our third ever test since 2014. Of course, that one is against Australia. It hasn't been great. Of course, yesterday we were bowled out for just 76, but now we're at stumps and we're currently 67 for the loss of three. So there's a little bit of progress. But Australia did declare on 575. <laughs> we know that with Australia, they are using, them and England are used to playing test cricket in the women's format. So that's something that Hilton Moreng Cricket South Africa will look to build on because the players themselves have said it's, wanting, it's something that they want to do more of. Lots of football happening. Yes. Uh, DSTV Prem local, locally. So the Sundowns players are, of course, uh, I mean, all the Bufana players are yeah. back at their teams. Mostly Sundowns we, 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 we look forward to the yeah. bashing voice notes on Monday when all of this is over. The big game this weekend is, of course, that Sundowns versus Orlando Pirates game. Need I remind you that Mamelodi Sundowns are still unbeaten in this league. They've got quite a gap in terms of the top of the table. So that clash between Super Sports United and Stellenbosch this evening will be something where... What whoever is the winner of that one will look to reduce the gap at the top to Mamelodi Sundowns. But Sundowns also do have a game in hand. So that one will be a lot. And against a Pirates team that they, I think they're on a seven game unbeaten run against Pirates. Yes, they did win the MTN 8 final. But at the end of the day, that was on penalties. But in the league, Sundowns have been very dominant in this campaign. But other fixtures that we can look forward to this weekend include Royal AM up against Kaiser Chiefs. Then we've got Skokune United and Richards Bay. And then, of course, the English Premier League. Yes. The title race, still something that we're all watching out for. We know that Burnley are up against Arsenal. Arsenal, who've really fought their way back after that wobble in December. Then Liverpool have got Brentford. Then Manchester City up against Chelsea. You never know which Chelsea team is going to rock up at the end of the day. But I think with Manchester City, they do tend to click into gear when it comes into the business end of the season. So that should be an easy one for them. And then other fixtures to look out for include Luton against Manchester United, while Tottenham are at home to Wolves. Tolokele, thank you so much. Uh, Tolokele Mganga having a look at what we can expect. Lots of sport taking place this weekend. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. So Brent Lidicu, the good things guy, usually we wrap up with Brent on a Friday, but he's off doing Brent things, speaking to people and enjoying the country. So uh, Brent has sent us a WhatsApp voice note to wrap up our week. Hey, what's happening, 702 and Cape Talk family? I'm back for another Feel Good Friday with more good things stories for you. First up, Revival is on the cards for the Cullinan community after the town's central tourist space took a heavy knock during the pandemic. Many stores and coffee shops closed down and the local artists suffered. With a goal of supporting locals, the NGO, the Makers Foundation, is getting things back on track. The first point of order is drawing in tourists. So to get that done, the community of artists have been sprucing up the public areas, adding artistic elements and cool spaces to sit and soak in the surroundings while creating must-see Instagrammable features. The second is to keep the town tidy. And to do that, the NGO has employed a team of six people who will spend two days a week clearing any dump rubbish and placing recycling in designated areas. Mans, we always speak about becoming an active citizen and this is exactly how it is done. And since it's the month of love, I have to tell you about two corporates who showed all the love and raised 100,000 Rand for charity yesterday. The Liberty team took to social media to ask the KFC team if they could be Valentine's sweethearts. And if KFC said yes, Liberty would donate 50,000 Rand towards a cause of their choice. KFC replied and of course said yes. 
But they said also that they would like to match that amount to donate to a school feeding program. Is it clever marketing? Maybe. But that's a hundred thousand rands worth of full bellies in South Africa. So it's really the children who win in the end. Whether it's driving hope like Liberty or adding hope like KFC, it's inspiring hope in South Africa. And that matters most. And then some good news for South African tennis has come in a big way after our local men's and women's wheelchair teams won their titles at the BNP Paribas World Team Cup Africa qualification event in Nigeria. This has earned them the honor of representing the continent at the world group event as teams of African champions. Proudly South African and proud of South Africa. That's it. You can catch these stories and many, many more on goodthingsguide.com. Until next week, as I always say, wishing you only good things. Only good things, Brent Lindeku, the Good Things Guy. WhatsApp Mandy on 072-702-1702. Hi there, Mandy. So um, I'm listening to this report about Deep Sluit and the crime that's going on there. And um, one of the, well, I can't say reasons, one of the excuses the police use is that these areas are inaccessible to the police. Hold on a minute. How did the criminals get there? Um, I think they walked. So what's wrong with police if they cannot walk to these areas that are so-called inaccessible areas? That's pathetic. I find the public debate about the deployment of SANDF into DRC very disturbing. It's just not done for security reasons. As for South African National Defense Union's comments calling for inquiry into the set of military personnel on deployment, that's a joke. The guys are on combat operations for crying out loud. Thank you very much. Uh, on the on the Twitter, the ex uh, Debbie Schaefer, who of course is the former education MEC in the Western Cape, saying there are many who are useless, but some are not as up to speed because they aren't able to access the training they need and want. It is very demoralising for them and the good ones who are there and leaving fast. Uh, Nils Flatten saying, uh, if we cannot say that all police are useless, can we at least say the majority are useless? They need to accept that the way many in the public feel about them is a product of their poor service or a just do not care attitude, not the public's fault. And Trevor Tusa saying it's time Tele stats come out with conviction stats. Well, at the moment, those crime stats are being released. And um, on the split screen of Newsroom Africa, there's the crime stats being released. And then there's breaking news that a principal has been shot and a teen has been nabbed in Germiston. Uh, we're waiting for confirmation from the education department on that. But if ever there was a split screen that illustrated the problem we have in this country, that is it.